gotta be. I don't own any clocks. What clock? It just stopped. Oh my goodness, I'm going crazy, you guys. Mm. Um, hey guys. What's up, everybody? Hey. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, Cece, Alex, and the Fawns here, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> James, how are you today? Doing well. How about you guys? You know what? We're here. <laughs> We're here. <laughs> and that's all that matters. I'm doing well. Yeah, mm. I can't really complain. It's just, phew, I'm tired. Yeah, me too. But you know what I'm not tired of? Atlantis. Because that's what we're talking about today. And this topic was submitted to us by Adam S. in Georgia. Mm. Yeah. Thanks, Adam S. Thank you, Adam S. James, do you have any exciting life stories to tell us about this week? For some reason, I just have a feeling that there's something in your life that's just like ready to be broadcast. <laughs> well, I did have a cancer taken off my face and I looked like... Uh, yes. a shark attack victim for about 10 to 12 days, but now it just looks like a birthmark. So I'm, I'm, I'm a lot better and I can actually see out of both eyes. So did it affect your ability to see? Oh yeah. Like, uh, cause it was like a centimeter below my, my left eye. So the swelling like shut it for whew, like four days, I'd say. All the women thought he was winking at them. Yeah. I, I literally had a stitch on my eyelid. Oh, James, yeah. James, listen. Listen, nobody wants to hear about that, James. That- <laughs> you asked. <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw James because I got coffee with him hmm. like a week ago, and he did. You did looked you make, pretty BA, James. You did looked you pretty make badass. literal eye contact or eyes contact? It was uh. eyes contact. But it looked like it looked like he got into a fight with somebody and he won. Like he looked like somebody you wouldn't want to mess with. You know what I mean? Well, the, the week prior, I looked like I lost. <laughs> <laughs> and he still has a beard, I believe. So he even yeah. looks more yep. like he like just crawled out of a cave and like whoops some butt. We might post the Odin version of me from uh, from like the day after for oh. the. the- yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see. We might have to. We, yeah, I was about to say we might have to put a rating system on that one. Yeah. Put a golden eye patch on it. It'll look like Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Just put a golden eye patch. Alex, any exciting life news for you? Mm. Well, see, anything <laughs> good for you? You know, our daughter's been going through the "I want water" at bedtime phase, so that's been driving me up the wall. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Every ten minutes, I want water. She's. She was to party. It, it's a game. <laughs> it's a game. Yeah. We, we shut that game short tonight. Yeah, we did. We did. We're here. Mm. We're ready to talk about Atlantis, and hopefully we won't have a screaming child in the background. It looks like she's asleep mm. from what I can tell. Yeah, she's got all her Paw Patrol stuffed animals. It's good times. Yeah, good times. She's partying with <laughs> um, What's our icebreaker today, you guys? If you could sink a city, which one? I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Oh, I thought Alex, re- did, did you not actually have one? I thought you no. did. Uh-uh, no. No, Alex Uh-oh. never has one, James. Are you serious? <laughs> that's, that's, oh, goodness. Oh, Here, I've man. got one. I've got you know, one. You know those scripts okay. we read? We're not going to do one today, but you know those scripts we read? I saw mm. one having to deal with Judge Judy today. Oh, wow. So you <laughs> nice. guys need to stay tuned for that in the future because I'm sure that'll pop up. Okay, so I have a question. I was thinking about this just the other day. Okay, if you could live inside any television show of your choice, mm. which one would you choose and why? Mm. Wow. Wow, that's quite the question. There's uh, there's so many, so many that I'd want to You know, I, I got one, and it's almost a little. It corresponds very tangentially to this episode. <laughs> 
because I am definitely, in our third act, going to be talking about a concept called utopia. And I would like to be in uh, the Star Trek universe just because it's very utopian. It's a wow. post-scarcity world. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. Would you Would you be friends with Spock? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. That is a, that is a no-brainer for James. Interesting. Hmm, Cece, what about you? Um, This is something I've thought about a lot because there are so many TV shows I would want to live within. But there is an adorable animated television show called Bluey. It's Australian. We've been watching it for a long time because it's on Disney Plus. Yeah, ever since Disney Plus has been out. Bluey is adorable, and it's this, about this little dog family, and they live in this house that is on this hill, and it's just like, every time I watch the show, I'm like, I want to explore that house. Like, I know it's not real. It's an animated television show for children, mm-hmm. and I still want to explore that house. You so want to live in a world without humans. I mean, live in a world full of dogs? That'd be heaven. Are you kidding me? Mm. Fair. Yeah. Alex, what about you? Ooh. Uh, how about... The world of oh man, he's he's I'm, I'm, for I'm, I'm really struggling. For some reason, the office popped into mind. That's just uh, that's just like world. that's that's a world with Michael in it, which is uh, heaven on earth. I think, but no, I think that for me, it would probably be something like Shin Godzilla. That's that's a that's a TV. It's a movie. <laughs> it could be anything. Oh, it can be anything in a yeah. nightmare. Oh, Mad Mad Max Fury Road. Could spray my fa- <laughs> spray my face with silver face paint. No, that's not a fantasy. That's that's an inevitability. That's next year. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be the guy playing the guitar, uh, riding in the car, riding on the car. Mm, you could think? you could never be as cool as Conan O'Brien. Oh, the Conan guy. O'Brien one. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, that was good. Yeah. That's pretty good. Uh, you know, I I think some sort of animated world would probably be ideal. You know, it's yeah. a little something different. I'm trying to think of something, but I'm so he, shocked oh, both of you all chose would, cartoons and not me. He would want to live inside the uh, the PBS television show Arthur. So I've answered for Alex. Oh, the Marvel universe. That's the most milk toast answer. <laughs> Marvel universe. Uh, so Agents of Shield. So I have the best chance possible of becoming a superhero. Wow. There you go. All right, Alex. Or I'm, super villain. I'm. T- I mean, Alex. I'm, oh I'm my a, goodness. Yeah. Listen, boy. I would strive for world peace either way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is a, an interesting array of answers from the 13th floor gang. Stay tuned because we'll ask you on Instagram. I've already got a post in my brain for, for this. Oh, no. So, you guys, stay tuned. Keep an eye on the 13th floor Instagram. It's at 13th floor podcast. And then you can answer this question. And we can respond. Also, if you want to send us any topics for the show, send them to us, 13thfloorpodcast at gmail.com or on our Instagram. Don't worry about our Twitter. Alex doesn't touch it. Oh, <laughs> real quick. I have a real answer. Oh, oh, oh. The world Goodness. of altered carbon. It's a sci-fi future where people can. That looks swap. horrifying, yeah, Alex. Why would you want does. to live in that? But it also looks cool. But, I mean, you just got to be rich to be okay. So, so uh, you would be gone. Right, well, we're locking this one in. We're locking this one in. If I get to pick it, if I get to pick it, I'm gonna pick to be rich in it. Huh. It's like, an, all right, whatever. I'm not even. I'm uh, not even going. We're not everybody's so it. messed up in that world. I kind of regret this choice, but I'm in. I, I Goodness. In. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, you guys. 
those are we can't wait to see your answers. I guess we need to say hello to all of our listeners around the globe. Oh. Yeah, wherever you're listening from, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening. Because you deep, guys deep in the bottom in Atlantis. In Atlantis. <laughs> um yeah, you guys make this show worthwhile for us. So thank you so much for listening and for all of your kind words and support. And thank you to everybody who left reviews. If you guys enjoy the show and you want to help us grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. No. Yes. And we might read it here on the show if you want us to. Share it uh, with anybody you think would enjoy our show. Yeah. You know, send them uh, a text of a linked episode or a screenshot. Yeah. Or if you're going on a long, just whatever. A, a long drive with some family over the holidays, force them to listen to it. Force them. Yeah. If you're driving, you have control of the radio. Yeah. Just make sure you're in the driver's seat. Also, you know what would be a really, really cool thing to do? Um, get one of those airplanes that spells the words in the sky mm. and put the 13th <laughs> floor. Yeah, 13th oh, floor goodness. podcast. And you can kind of like try to draw the logo mm. with the smoke. Yeah. <gasps> that would be so cool. Mm. If anybody does that, send us a picture. <laughs> legal dis- legal disclaimer. It's got to be your plane and not one you just stole. Yeah, don't steal a plane. <laughs> if you don't know how to do it yourself. You hire, know, somebody. hire somebody. But we're not, <laughs> we're not liable oh for charges. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, you guys. That's enough of this. How about we talk about Atlantis? Yeah, sure. For Adam S. Oh. and for all of our beautiful listeners who wanted to listen to us talk about Atlantis. I almost forgot what we were going to talk about. I got so excited about this sign in the <laughs> sky. <laughs> oh, all man. right, you guys. Listen, almost starting us off today. Okay? All right, let's hear it. Man, my sources are National Geographic. My subscription. It's been very useful. Uh, also, mm. thoughtco.com and Britannica.com. Okay. All right. Alex, don't look at my notes. Turn away. I can't see you from here. All right, chickens. Let's talk about Atlantis. <sighs> the myth of the magical kingdom. Oh, is this going to be a fable you're going to tell us? I'm about to tell you a fable, baby. Okay, historically. Historically, there's ever actually only been one real account insinuating that Atlantis may have been a real place. And that account was given to us. By the brilliant mind of Athenian philosopher Plato, or Plato, however you want to say it. Pilates. Pilates. And Plato was my rabbit hole for this episode, you guys. Because during my research, I just randomly had the thought, did Plato have a first and last name? And then I oh yeah, yeah I started, James? I'm going to share it in a second. Okay, okay. John Plato. <laughs> His name was John Plato. No, but I thought, I thought, I wonder, like. Is it was his name? Did he have a little birth certificate, a little rock tablet birth certificate with his name like Plato written out on like it? The Flintstones, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I picture it. I picture his mom giving birth to him, looking at him, and saying, "Oh, that's a Plato. Like we don't need any other name." The nurse is sitting in the mm. corner. And she's like Plato, like you know, waiting for the rest of the name. Mm. And the mom's just like, "No, it's Plato." Mm. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's that's what happened in my brain. But then I looked up on Quora.com. Hmm. Where you can find the answer to everything. And he was a water birth. A <laughs> water birth. Now, there's a guy <laughs> named Wayne Weiss. And he says in an old book, and I can't remember the name of it, but it said that Plato's actual name was said to be Aristocles, son of Ariston, of the Deem, Colitus. Which, if you mm-hmm. take the first letter of each word and then go up by one in the alphabet, spells Plato. <laughs> <laughs> No, he, was, he was called Plato when he was in school because he had broad shoulders. That's what it means. Broad shoulder. Oh my, 
James, you ruined it. You ruined it. What? <laughs> she's yeah. She's still going. My joke's done. Oh, you ruined my joke. What? No, we can delete that part. All right. No, start, no. We'll James, from- James, you've given it to us. <laughs> you've given us the answer. It's there. So I was proud of myself oh, because I was like, you know what? I just I just gave this listener the name of Plato, like the real name yeah, of Plato. You went above and beyond. And then James just came and kicked my feet out from underneath me. James, I oh, swear. Man. But if you if you want to keep this in your brain database, listener, you can remember that Plato means broad <laughs> shoulders. Okay? All right. Enough of the name game. Let's talk about how Plato was no, please call him broad shoulders for the rest of the time. <laughs> Let's talk about how Broad Shoulders was literally the only person to apparently uh, mention Atlantis in his writings. And he said that the story was passed down for centuries from poets and artists, but we ain't got no real proof, you guys. That's just what he wrote. But Plato told the tale around 360 BC in two of his writings, kind of. He mentioned it, and it was Timaeus and Critias. I think that's how you say it. Mm-hmm. You know me. And he claimed he claimed that Atlantis was about 9,000 years before his time. Don't ask me for the approximate year. Mm. Because y'all know how math and years make my mind start to spin. But Don't admit that you can't count years. Hey, listen. This was 9,000 <laughs> years before 360 BCE. What year was that? 9,360 BCE. BC. <laughs> you know what's creepy? That's around the time as uh, Gobegli Tepe. Bum bum bum. Bum bum bum. Well, you guys. Oh my goodness. I'm spiraling this episode. I see. No worries. <sighs> All right. Anyways, Plato claims Atlantis was this utopian civilization that was built by a very special group of people, and the inhabitants, Alex, were supposedly half human, half god. Oh. Yeah, and their little homeland was unique in the sense that it was made up these, it's kind of made up of these concentric little islands, circles that were all separated by moats, and there were, it was it was paradise on Earth. And if you Google pictures of Atlantis, you guys, just a heads up, it's going to pull up pictures of the hotel, oh. the famous hotel. Uh. Yeah, where you can ride down a, what's it called, a slide? Through a shark cave. What's it called? A slide. <laughs> slide down a slide. <laughs> you guys, I told you I'm tired. It's been a week. So, anyways, you can. It, it's, it's Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see oh, pictures man. of Atlantis, like as it was according to Plato, you need to search what did Atlantis look like before it sank. Okay. And then you'll see all the pictures. But. It was unique. It had all of these exotic animals, and it was beautiful, you guys. When I when I picture the way that it looked, to me, it looked like it was like the ship's wheel from a boat. Mm. Yeah, that's what it kind of looked like. But it had all these exotic animals, and there were precious gems all over the place. Like, you could just be walking to go get a coffee and then look down like, oh, it's a ruby. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. Yeah, they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I imagine there being fruit trees everywhere. You turn. So if you're craving an apple, just walk down the street and grab one off Agamemnon's tree. Oh, okay. He doesn't care. He's here to share. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And Agamemnon, you guys, in my brain, he's the kind of neighbor that does not yell at the kids when they kick their ball onto his lush green grass. But he's instead like the neighbor that's like, oh, Cecilia, listen. 
my tomato plants, they're thriving and I simply can't eat them fast enough. Would you like some? And then I'm just like, oh, Agamemnon, tomatoes, spaghetti for dinner. How'd I get so lucky to have you oh in my, my life? <laughs> <laughs> wow. But if he offered tomatoes to James, James would just ask him what kind of tomatoes they were. I'd be really suspicious since tomatoes are from North America. I'd be like, where'd you get these tomatoes, Agamemnon? No, Agamemnon. Has, yeah. Listen, James, this is Atlantis. There can be tomatoes That's on true. Atlantis if... There want to be tomatoes on Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, I picture James taking a bag of tomatoes given to him by the sweet, darling Agamemnon and just kicking them over the side of the guardrail in his backyard. Yeah. And be like, these are disgusting. What are these water balloons? Yeah, what are these water balloons? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So anyways, um, I just totally lost my train of thought. Let me find I can't it. imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> Let me reacquaint myself. <clears throat> Oh, are you okay, darling, dearest? So at the end of the day, life in Atlantis was perfect, you guys. Except it wasn't. Yeah, you guys. (laughs) Atlantis fell and it fell hard. In Plato's story, which honestly, it's kind of like a story within a story within a story. It's kind of complicated. Per thoughtco.com. I tried to read it, but you know, it's old. (laughs) It's old. It's old. (laughs) I had some trouble. I don't read old. Read spark notes. (laughs) Mm-hmm. But uh, but Plato's story is about Socrates being told a story from these two other men, Timaeus and Critias. I think that was that's their name. But one of them was told the story of Atlantis from his grandpa, who was told a story from another guy who was told the story from Egyptians. Okay, so it's like you know a story handed down verbally from generation to generation. Okay, so oh boy. the Atlanteans and all their splendor got a little too greedy, just like James with his fancy heirloom tomatoes. And Atlantis, they had a pretty strong military, especially the Navy. They're already ruling over their own little empire, plus these other little surrounding islands and then parts of Africa and Europe. And so then they're like, you know what? You know what, Alex? Asia is looking mighty fine right about now. And so they start this completely unnecessary war, but Athens was ready to fight. You know what I mean? So the Greeks were able to keep those land-hungry Atlanteans at bay, and then God came into play, you guys. The Mm. gods were like, oh, no, you didn't, to Atlantis. Yeah. And they were so unhappy with how greedy and morally bankrupt Atlantis had become, so after their unprovoked war, the gods were like, listen, here's one terrible night of fire and earthquakes, and then Atlantis was no more. Mm. It sank right into the sea. As you do. Yeah. So the question is, was Plato actually referring to like a real place in his story, like a real civilization? Or was it just meant to be a parable about like greed and human condition and the downfall of humanity? Mm. Yeah. Most scholars, they'll argue up and down that it's just a myth fabricated by Plato to teach a lesson and to keep people humble, really. And some have suggested that Atlantis may have actually been a reference like to Persia or Carthage which were both pretty aggressive civilizations. And as for the fire and earthquakes that apparently took down Atlantis, it's possible that may have also been a nod to the eruption of the Minoan volcano, which devastated what's now known as Santorini way back in the day. 
way back in mm-hmm. 1600 BC. Don't talk too much about my Minoans. Well, I'm not. That's all I'm saying. I'm all, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. But while most scholars argue that Plato's story is nothing more than a story, there are still lots of people who firmly believe that Atlantis was real. And some people have devoted their entire lives to searching for it. And with that, I'm going to pass the torch off to Alex over here. Alex, what are you talking about? I'm talking about possible locations of Atlantis. And let me tell you. So usually when I start my research, I go on to Wikipedia to kind of grasp the breadth of the topic. Because everything's too abbreviated to really use on there. I looked up locations. True. On Atlantis. I showed Cece. Holy moly. (laughs) He was. Let's just say every spot on Earth is a possible location for Atlantis. But... I went through and I picked some of the most, uh, I, the first one I picked was the most plausible, and Cece kind of hinted to mm. that one. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. And then I picked a couple more, but I did, uh, I got all my research from History.com, Live Science, and National Geographic. Yeah, he used my subscription, James. I did. I forgot my password. Don't tell people we shared a... Well, we're in the same household. I guess it's okay. Yeah, you looked at my computer. Whatever. I forgot my (laughs) password, though, and I had to reset it. So, Mm. you're welcome, Alex. If anyone wants to know Cece's password... No, don't you dare. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So, Atlantis. (laughs) It's a little bit of everywhere and nowhere at once. But I decided I'm going to go with the most popular theory on what Atlantis may have been. And that is, as you said, Cece, the island of? uh, Santorini. What? No, you said the Minoans. The Minoans. Yes. They were believed to be Europe's first great civilization uh, about 4,000 years ago. And the moment the Minoans built like these really nice palaces, these paved roads. They they were they even had uh, they're considered to have the first written language in the area. And the, at the height of their power, apparently, the Minoans just suddenly vanish after after just having a grand old time. Gone, vanished. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. So the the mystery of what happened to that civilization is really what's kind of brought that link together with Plato's description of Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like you said, there was that massive earthquake in the in 1600 BC yeah. that shook so hard it actually caused the volcanic island of Thera to erupt and spew all this molten rock and gas and ash and everything Ew. Ooh, into the atmosphere. And the resulting earthquake uh, caused tsunamis, which would have been large mm-hmm. enough to wipe out the city of Manoa. And so a lot of people think that the survivors of that kind of passed down what happened, and eventually it was turned into so it, Atlantis. So it was kind of like, oh, I used to mm. live. Like, you know how you always yeah. it was, make your childhood home sound so much more magical than it was. Like, oh, Manoa was yeah, utopia. Kind of. I mean, yeah. like it, They mm. were so destroyed by these events that the, it's thought the that invaders from the Greek mainland were able to come in and take over. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I find to be the most promising theory. Plausible. It seems the most plausible. Uh, the next one, 
honestly, there's I don't think there's that many great plausible theories. It seems like there's some really interesting ones with not mm-hmm. a lot of stuff behind them. Now, <laughs> number two, I'm going to start out with a quote from a professor before I get into some of the things that this guy found. So, okay. upon hearing about what they had found, just the cursory knowledge of it, he said, bless their hearts. <laughs> if they're correct about mm. this, that would be awesome, said Ken Fetter, a professor of anthropology at Central Connecticut State University. But there's my problem. As an archaeologist, I know that I always need to be in the company of my bullshit detector. <laughs> 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 and these guys, they have done just about everything they possibly can to set off my BS detector. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So, a man named Bruce Blackburn, the CEO of a company called Merlin Burroughs, <laughs> made a discovery of what he is calling Atlantis using two satellites, two Google Earth satellites. And he found several structures that seem to match a lot of Plato's descriptions. So, like the circles? Mm-hmm. The circles. They, they've, they, and they mm-hmm. even, when they went into these objects, they found concrete in these circle-shaped foundations, like you said. And they found possible temple ruins. So, they got samples, and they sent them to, to a lab. And they dated these concrete samples to be about ten to 12,000 years old. So, Blackburn... First off, Blackburn never disclosed what methods they used to determine the age of this concrete. So we don't know how old it really is. It seems too good to be true. Yes. He also did find signs that a giant tsunami had taken place. And that there may have been a cataclysmic event that doomed the city. Is what he had found. Yeah. Now... Hmm. They, they found a few other things, but here's what you need to know about Blackburn. He said this, and Cece, I know this is going to, you're not going to like the cut of this man's jib. Uh-oh. Yeah, so Burroughs, or his company and a company called Ingenio Films, went on to make a two-hour documentary called Atlantica. Uh, it's about the finding uh, of all this, and Blackburn said that he expects his company to make a lot more documentaries. Nope. And he said, quote, what we really want to do is we want to franchise the find, Blackburn said. We want to make an awful lot of money out of it, and with that money, we want to support the archa- archaeological community. No. I, you know, support the ar- archaeological oh, community, that's fine, but to support it with that? That, that. Yeah. Well, even that, I bet there was a wink when he said that. Like, agree with me, archaeological yeah, community. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> there was plenty of support in it for well, you. Well, we want to make an awful lot of money out of it. That's a direct quote mm. from him. <laughs> and here are some other problems. First, we don't have access to the samples that he had, but there's no proof mm. that this concrete is actually man-made. Second, the scientific findings were never sent to a scientific journal for peer review, which anyone mm. knows it's kind of a typical protocol to send things <laughs> to a scientific journal to get another opinion. Now, scientific journals are kind of a joke a little bit because they are susceptible to the people on the board of those journals. Yeah. They can do whatever they want politically, mm. that type of thing. 
plus an inundation of, of material makes it so easy to just put a check mark on something that don't need yes. a check mark. And it looks like they may have cherry picked their findings, meaning they found things that followed their theory, and they were like, "Oh, hey, let's talk about that." And the things that didn't fall in line with their theory, mm, they were left out. Let's brush that to the side. Mm. So they only kept things that fit that fit their narrative. And again, there, there's a lot of theories out there, uh, and we'll probably be able to dive back into this series with yeah. some of those series. But I did have one last theory I wanted to talk about. Well, just for the last one, where was that located? That one was located off of Spain. Okay, it was, Spain. Yeah, it was located off of, oh, I'm blanking on it. It is a park, actually, in Spain. It's a really pretty park, by the way. Like, it's like a... It's like a national park. D- uh, Doniana National Park. Ooh. Yeah. Doniana. Doniana. So, the last theory that I, I just want to talk to you all about is that Atlantis was actually in a more of a, you know, it was in a temperate climate. Nothing too harsh or anything like that. Yes. Until there was a crust, crustal shift that caused Atlantis to go up. And become part of Antarctica. <laughs> Antarctica. Oh, okay. I'm going to touch a yeah, little yeah. bit on uh, it. And so, essentially, this, I'm watching essentially. Uh, <laughs> so, Atlantis goes from a temperate climate to this frigid, horrible climate, gets covered in ice, and all the inhabitants are just doomed. And so, the city is like under layers and layers of ice. Now, bum, bum, the reason bum. I bring this theory up is because it was proposed by Charles Hapgood in the book Earth's Shifting Crust, which he published in 1958. The reason that's interesting is because Albert Einstein wrote the foreword for that book. Are you serious? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, but this was this theory was proposed before, which I didn't realize it was this late that we really began to understand how the crust works with with the Earth. But mm. when he proposed this theory. We didn't know that that's not how plate tectonics worked. We thought that that was like maybe a legit possibility. Like it could just be like all of a sudden the crust on the earth just like like, 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 like certain pieces might just slide, slide that far. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. Three theories about the whereabouts of Atlantis, and there are so there's so many more. so many more, and there's a lot of really interesting yeah. ones out there too. What about you, James? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the Minoan one is makes the most sense. I think I so agree. too. It's kind of, I think it's kind of neat that like in Greek mythology they associate Minos with like a bull uh, and with bull worship and with the Minotaur literally means bull of Minos. And yeah, also in the stories about Atlantis, there's a lot of bull worship going on. So I think there, there might, you know, just culturally, there's a little bit of something, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a fact. Yeah. But yeah, I'm going over sort of like the more modern theories about Atlantis and boy, are there a lot of modern theories about Atlantis. <laughs> Lots of them. I'm going to yeah. Um I'm going to focus on two in particular though, New Age and Nazi because, you know, this is the age of Aquarius and I think that the Nazi one is actually the, the less off the rails view. Oh wow. Um, it played a huge role, actually, in, you know, Nazi archaeology and, by extension, a lot of the pseudo-archaeology 
that sort of gave rise to the new age uh, view on, on the matter. So it's kind of interesting that like the hippy dippy view of about Atlantis, the precursors are actually from the SS, (laughs) but one of the reasons it's really interesting, Alex, that you mentioned that that was published in the fifties because there were people who had sort of a theory similar to uh, what he was proposing, but without the plate tectonics aspect, which was the Hyperborean theory. And that was this theory that Atlantis was this amazing civilization of the progenitors of all European peoples, and they had amazing technology, and they conquered Europe, and they they laid the groundwork for what ultimately ended up being Europeans. And then they either drifted north, or they had always been up north, and became Hyperborea. Hmm. Uh, And for whatever reason, something happened. Uh, in, in some of the theories, they actually were up north, and they were up north was actually beautiful and Eden, Eden-like, and they actually drifted south, and that's when things went went bad. Things went south when they went south. <laughs> but but we don't really have like an actual hard definition for what happened to them. And at some point, we're going to cover like all these other ones because I mean, really, there's let's see, Atlantis, Hyperborea, Lemuria, and Mo. That's like the big four like mythical places. So at some point we'll probably cover all four of them. But for the Nazis, the idea that the Atlanteans were their ancestors, it sort of gave an incentive, like a, you you see this a lot with a lot of uh, historic epics where people want to conquer a place that they don't have a historical antecedent to be there. So they come up with a reason to have been there. Like uh, the, the Romans, because of the Aeonid, the whole reason why the Aeonid was written was, uh, oh, well, we have every reason to conquer Greece because we were the Trojans originally, and Greece conquered Troy, but now we're coming back, and we're just reclaiming it, even though we Romans have never actually been from here, and we're not actually Trojan. And so you see that a lot in history, and that was sort of the whole point. It was like, oh, Poland doesn't belong to Germany? Well, it really kind of does because our ancestors conquered all of Europe and who knows, maybe even half the world. And that was sort of the reason why they wanted to to make the argument that they were from Atlantis or more accurately, they descended from the Atlanteans. Now, when I say the Nazis, though, um, for the most part, it's really Himmler. Himmler is responsible for all the out there stuff. To the point that it almost, like, I, I keep imagining a sitcom scenario where Himmler's, like, pitching this Atlantis stuff and this Thule stuff. Oh, that's the other one that I was thinking of, Thule. This Thule stuff to Hitler. And Hitler, like, either is like, are you sure? <laughs> or or he just, like, can't say no to Himmler for whatever reason. So Himmler keeps telling him, like, yeah, we, we got to spend, like, a billion marks uh, looking for Atlantis in Sweden this time. And Hitler's just like, sure, why not? I mean, we're just in the middle of a very expensive world war. Go for it. So uh, most of the, the Nazi stuff really was Himmler and his very peculiar views. And I'm, I'm sure there were plenty of people who followed in line with that. But for the most part, it was just sort of like this out there, like, oh, yeah, that's just what Himmler's into kind of perspective. Mm. But it influenced a lot of modern views on Atlantis. Really, you know, if you look at the the Platonic view of Atlantis, they were half gods, and they were destroyed for their hubris by the gods, very Sodom and Gomorrah like. Mm-hmm. But 
they weren't like magic people or anything. Right. They didn't have special powers. But really, mid-20th century, even even Blavatsky and, and others, which I'm not going to get too deep into, but a lot of people in the early 20th century and mid-20th century ha- came to the conclusion that Atlanteans were either progenitors of other groups of people or from space or another dimension or closer to divinity, I guess you could say, than other peoples. And as such, they had all these special powers. And that's where we start getting into the New Age view of Atlantis because the New Age view of Atlantis was, you know, aliens, extra-dimensional beings, uh, people who lived in peace and harmony with the world using technology, the likes of which we can't even imagine. And that's a very modern perspective. Nobody mentions stuff like that up until the middle of the 20th century. It reeks of utopianism, yeah. which just so you guys know, the word, this is really just for the benefit of everybody. It's not directly in relation to Atlantis, but I've read Sir Thomas More's Utopia. Great story. Highly recommend it. But what a lot of people don't know is that the word utopia that T- Thomas More came up with, even though I think that he did kind of want to implement some of these ideas, I think he was an idealistic fella, it means from nowhere. So hmm. I, I think there's an inherent flaw with utopianism in and of itself because the very word suggests that it's an impossibility, that it's not something you can pragmatically uh, create. And yet you have a lot of New Agey folks who think that Atlantis was – a genuine utopia. And I'm, I would argue that even if they really were this magical group of people, uh, whether they're, they're the ancient Aryans, like the SS says, or whether they're the root race, like the theosophists say, or whether they're aliens, like Dan Aykroyd says more on that later, either way, either way, the idea that they, they have this perfect society, I just don't see that being realistic. And I think that the pursuit of it, philosophically is fine but when you start taking it at face value as something that that's something that we can't attain but something that others have i think it's an unhealthy view and and i think that it really goes in the face of the whole point of atlantis the reason why plato told the story to begin with and the reason why folks like sir thomas more uh came up with utopian uh literary works as well Mm. so just my little after school special on that Mm. but the more you know (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Um, and some people in, in the New Age groups, they, they think that, and a lot of Mesoamerican scholars even, they think that the Mayans were actually Atlanteans. And just like with the alien theory, there's not a whole lot that suggests it. But, and this is a little, you know, throwback when we talked about the Toltecs. Some people think that the Toltecs were the descendants of the Atlanteans and the Mayans were the descendants of the Toltecs. And so you have this interesting uh, spread of Atlantean culture throughout the, the New World without actually a lot of the technology being shared, which is totally feasible. You know, I mean, when we see civilizations fall in the, in the past, something similar happens. Uh, if you look at Egypt and Rome and Greece, you know, technology that was remarkable for its period gets lost, and uh, and people ultimately have certain cultural ties to that old, amazing empire, but not the technological know-how. Well, that's that's reasonable, but I've just not seen a whole lot of evidence that suggests that there's a Toltec connection to hmm. Atlantis. Yeah. But let's talk about the alien component, <laughs> because 
let's face facts. There, you can't have a story about a technologically technologically advanced people without somebody concluding that it's alien based. And some people claim that aliens, whether they originated in space or not, is sort of irrelevant for this story. They could have evolved on Earth in this context, in which case they're not exactly aliens, but they may have moved to space after Atlantis fell. But it's the idea that a non-human species were the Atlanteans and that they either came back in the form of, of UFOs or they, they, Atlantis was just a sort of a brief colony and now they're returning to Earth uh, in a completely separate and unrelated mission, uh, but ultimately that Atlantis was inhabited by aliens from space or from another dimension. And one person who absolutely buys into that is Dan Aykroyd. Mm. And just a little thing that I think is interesting about Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd was born with webbed feet. What? Dan Aykroyd, yeah. Dan Aykroyd has heterochromia. One eye is green and one eye is brown. Dan Aykroyd has Asperger's. So I think that's a lot of mutations. And he believes in Atlantis uh, was inhabited by aliens. So I'm thinking... If any alien theory is plausible, it's probably this one just because Dan Aykroyd might be an Atlantean alien. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> maybe maybe Coneheads was just him prepping us. But one thing that I, I think is really fascinating about the New Age Atlantean theory is how it ties in to the Crystal Skulls. You pretty much... Oh, yeah, yeah. The The idea behind it is that, you know, one thing that fascinates people about the crystal skulls is they do appear to have been made with a technology that doesn't really exist in ancient times. In antiquity didn't have the means of creating them. Now, there's plenty of skeptic arguments against that, but let's entertain the idea. Some people think that the crystal skulls were created by the Atlanteans and that they're intended to store information. So kind of like how today we have the cloud. Well, they had skulls and these skulls were able to store data very much in the same way that silicon can be used to store data, except that it has to do with, and this is the most new age thing I'm going to say today. <laughs> a lot of it has to do with <laughs> crystal resonance. Oh boy. So Yeah. So really what's happening is is the way that these crystals are resonating is that it can actually transmit information directly into the mind, possibly by communing with the pineal gland, which is where dimethyltryptophan is made, which is also known as DMT, which is a spirit molecule, which has a huge role in New Age views regarding a lot of ancient cultures from Egypt to India. Um, and incidentally, I actually believe a lot of that. A lot of the, the notions that the eye of Horus is actually the pineal gland or pineal gland, however you want to pronounce it, um, that uh, a lot of things from the Upanishads in relation to this oversoul concept is actually the pineal gland. I actually think there's a lot of evidence for that. But the idea that these skulls are made to resonate in a way that can commune with the pineal gland unfortunately I haven't seen any evidence for that. And that's also assuming that these aliens have a similar biological makeup as us. And what are the odds of that assuming, and here's another throwback that panspermia isn't real. <laughs> so really it's, it's kind of all over the place. It's very hard to create a perfectly linear and, and, and proper parabolic kind of narrative about the new age views, the post 20th century views 
of Atlantis because it is all over the place. There's there's a lot going on with that. And and if you just get two people who can agree on something very obscure like Atlantis and very out there like the fact that maybe they're extra dimensional beings, even then those two people are going to disagree on a lot of fundamental points just because it deals with so much information that can't really be evaluated and quantified properly because you're dealing with both hearsay and with theories that really can't be object- objectively viewed or or, or deemed uh, uh, reasonable. Uh, and I don't mean that in a, mm. like, the New Agers are wrong kind of argument. I just mean, like, how can you prove any of this? Hmm. But one thing is for sure, the crystal skulls are beautiful, and they certainly have a mystique to them. But then again, skull iconography usually does. There's something hmm. very universal about skull iconography, and it just really resonates with people in the psychological sense, not in the crystal sense. <laughs> and I think I think that that alone sort of lends itself to to this romanticism surrounding it, and likewise that also I think plays a role with our view of Atlantis because Atlantis is a story ultimately about hubris. It's about people or non-people doing some remarkable things and then being dashed into oblivion. The, both of them really connect, I think a lot with our Thanatos drive. You know, we see the crystal skulls and yeah, they're beautiful. They're remarkable, but they're still, they're images of death. And likewise, you know, it's kind of like that poem about Ozymandias. If you look at the story of Atlantis, it's really ultimately about how even something as remarkable and otherworldly as that place must come to an end. Wow, yeah. James. That's my thought on the matter. D- just, that's just your, your little thought on the matter. Yeah. Shout out to Dan <laughs> <laughs> that was that, There's a lot to unpack there. Ultimately, I think it's a a morality story. I think it's no matter how great you think you have it, if you get too cocky, there'll be a comeuppance. It's a Sodom and Gomorrah type story. Hmm. Well, you guys, that's Atlantis. Yeah. Hmm. Things got deep. (laughs) Oh, my (laughs) gosh. Alex, always there with the joke at the end. Well, you guys, we're actually not going to be drawing from the base today. Oh, we're not? No, we're not. Because next week, we are going to be doing a special... Acapella episode. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're going to be actually combining forces with another amazing podcast called The Darker Side of Life. And we're going to be talking about ghost experiences. So... Get ready yeah. for it's going to be a fun Halloween episode. I'm going to listen because I yeah, pre Halloween, yeah, pre Halloween technically, but you know it's going to get you in that Halloween yeah. mood. That's right. Yeah, the Halloween spirit. And also, guys, get ready because starting on October the 19th, we're going to do a special thing called the 13 Nights of the 13th Floor. So basically, uh, we're going to do some cross-promotional stuff. It's not going to be podcasts themselves. But we're going to do some cross-promotional stuff largely on our YouTube channel. So check that out and subscribe. We'll actually put the uh, link to it in the episode description. And just it'll be 13 consecutive days of something. <laughs> Can't guarantee exactly what it'll consist of, but it'll just be sort of Halloween stuff to get you excited for 
let's face it, the 13th floor is best holiday. Mm-hmm. Favorite holiday. Yes. And then after next week's episode, we're going to have our Halloween special episode where we talk about the different yeah. Halloween festivals from around the world. Oh, we did the Usher. Yeah. This will be fun. Yeah, I it's like going to be fun. So, you guys, there's a lot of fun things in store these next couple of weeks. Yeah, Alex, if if they yeah, if they like our music, where can they find it? The artist is Grant Cook, and you can find his music on Amazon Music, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you listen to music. So I guess with that, you guys, until next time, we hope that you can keep, keep it straight. Oh my God, <laughs> <laughs>